This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Great, I'm going to pray for us. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you for this time that we could spend in your presence. Lord, there's nothing like knowing you. One moment. And your presence is better than a thousand outside. And we've not come here to be entertained. We've not come here to sing nice songs. We've come here to meet with the living God. And Lord, we thank you that You will heal people here tonight and set the captives free. Because Jesus, that what you died for, we, we thank you that you have placed so much worth and value on people like us. That you would choose ordinary people like us to show your glory to and to call us, Lord, to co-labor with you. What a privilege. Lord, we're thinking of so many of our friends and brothers and sisters in prison tonight for their faith. In the Middle East, Lord, that hasn't seen their families for long times, Lord, and they're suffering greatly. What a privilege to worship you like this. Lord, we don't take it for granted. And we don't want to be that generation that tells our kids one day that, no, we could also gather and we could have the privilege of being together. So, Lord, one moment in your presence is better than a thousand outside. We want to be nowhere else but with you. So raise us up, raise up a generation of worshipers in this place. People that will sell everything because they found the pearl of greatest price. Come and change us, Holy Spirit. You're the only one that can convict and bring freedom and life. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't want to be like one of those pastors that pray for 15 minutes. I, My mother-in-law, she comes from... A bit of a more reformed church, and she always would tell that this, this one pastor or leader of the church would pray for 15 minutes, and in that time, there was one lady that always would stand up with her handbag, and then she'll go to all the cookies and the nice stuff and, and choose everything, because she knew the guy's going to pray for 15 minutes, and then she'll choose all the nice stuff, put it in the Tupperware, close her bag, and then go sit again, you know, and when the prayer was finished, she had um, seen the promised land. But in any case, we're talking about, is there not a cause? And um, we're sort of using a, a little picture of a passport. And the passport in this way represents the righteousness, the citizenship of heaven. You need a passport. Um, it's the righteousness of Christ, not your own works. It's not what you can do. It's not how many times you've prayed. It's by what Jesus has done. And so in that passport is your identity. There's a little nice picture if you're 25 like me, then you have an 18-year-old picture in there, and you always refer back to it and say, like, wow, that's amazing. You know, and um, I'm always reminded because this is a very special type of um, document for me because many years ago when I came to the Lord, the Lord said, you're going to go, because I couldn't speak in front of people, so even tonight standing here is a miracle, and the fact that I can speak, um, I still sometimes get a bit nervous and run to the toilet at least seven times, but hallelujah, to um, just blow my nose. But in any case, so, um, <clears throat> and so this passport, you know, and I remember coming to know the Lord and he, and he said to me, there was a prophecy, a word 
said, one day you're going to talk um, to many young people. You're going to be in the full-time ministry. I thought full-time ministry is what happens at the end of the soccer game or the end of the rugby game. Then I'm going to run onto the field and preach the gospel because I knew half-time and full-time. That was the only thing I knew about full-time ministry. But then he said, um, you're going to preach in many other nations. And I thought like, oh, okay, that's cool, but I'm not going to speak in front of other people. But, um, you know, hallelujah, 55 nations later, the Lord is faithful to his word, seeing how he's doing many things across the world. And we're just a small part of that. First Samuel 17, verse 28 to 30. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And so David comes, David left the sheep. His father told him, leave the sheep and go and take food for your brothers on the, on the field, the army of Saul was there, and there was this massive giant called Goliath, and, um, and so David brings them food. That's all he's doing. The people are in fear, great turmoil, confusion. Everybody is afraid because Goliath comes out every morning, and he shouts, and he screams, who are you, Israelites, and some bad other words, and so he said, um, so now Eliab's brother, the biggest, the tallest, the most handsome one of the lot, he comes, and David comes onto the scene, and he says, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, and you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? And then he turned from him to another and said the same thing. And, he's, and the people answered, answered him as the first one did. So his three things he said. The first thing is, what, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. The world is looking for belonging. You don't actually belong here. You're just a nobody. You know, remember David wasn't even in the lineage or the lineup when Samuel the prophet came and the father chose. So there was great rejection, great fear of failure. I can just imagine, you know, imagine they saying, well, we're going to have a family bri and you are not invited. Huh? We, we're going we're to give out um, a lot of stuff, but you're not invited. You must, you must go outside in the field, you know, sure. And so David was that guy. And so he says, why did you come down here? So you don't belong here. Sense of identity. The second thing is, with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? You are insignificant. You, 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 you're not even successful. You, you, you don't matter anything. You don't have a purpose in this life. And then the third thing he shot at him with this question is, you, I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. He says, like, your heart is wicked. So there's the accusation. And that's what so many times happen. Even maybe you're sitting here tonight and you think like, oh, I don't belong here. You know, the other day a guy came to me and said, well, I'm leaving the church because the church is getting too big. I said to him, what are you going to say when you get to heaven? And there's a couple of billion people there. Uh, Jesus, um, sorry, Jesus, I'm leaving because um, I don't like all these people. <laughs> Better get used to it. And if you don't like the worship, it's going to be noisy, you know. We have a Nigerian that led the worship, but the Nigerians are the most noisy people, African people, you know? Sure, have you ever been to Kenya? Those people worship the same song three hours. Hallelujah, you know, that's worship. We get bored sometimes, you know, like, oh, you know, they sang that song for 10 minutes, you know, five times. There you repeat it for 500 times, you know? Oh, no, Jesus, I'm going to get bored with the song, holy, holy, holy. Have you seen how many times the angels sing it? We're not going to get bored in heaven. Because they sing the same song over, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and who is and who is to come. And then they take their crowns and they throw it. 
And then they sing the same. Holy, holy, holy. So we're talking about the cause of Christ. We're talking about this place where we can belong. And that's where we ended last week with the family of God, the, the people of God. And, it, and Peter writes this. He says, therefore, it is also contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and you believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stones which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. So it says, you know, in Scripture, it's very clear on that. If you follow Jesus, if you say yes to Jesus, he becomes the fragrance of life. He becomes, becomes this beautiful, amazing odor of, of just like, oh, it's attractive. Always oh, going to be the fragrance of death. The real Jesus will either offend you or it will be so attractive when you want to know all of him and want to know all about him. <laughs> yeah, and that, that is so amazing. And so, you know, if, if you, and this is for, for me the barometer, you know, if you say you are a Christian, but you're not causing any people to not like you, then maybe you must reevaluate whether you're just a Christian going to heaven or whether you're actually saying yes to the cause of Christ. Because I said, you, you can have this beautiful passport. Study the passport. Republic. Mm. I'm colorblind. I guess this is green. Green. Mm. Well, you know, this first page looks a bit Freemasonry, but let's go on to the next one, you know. Oh. Oh. And then every night you go and you smell the passport. Oh, have you seen the watermark? Oh, this is a cool passport, you know. Some people study the passport, but they don't use their citizenship of heaven. There's, there's no visas. <laughs> I want a visa. There's no stamps of I've entered into certain doors and through certain gates. I've gone through passport control. I remember going into one of the Middle Eastern countries and just walking. And the next moment, this guy came next to me. Came, he says, sir, would you come with me? I said, okay. Wasn't a nice experience, but hallelujah. Three hours later of interrogation. Why do you have a visa for Iran? I said to him, because I love Jesus. But you know, sometimes it's going to be tough. Sometimes it's not so easy. <laughs> but do you have an empty passport? Sometimes you need to trust God like this one, this visa I told you. took nine years by faith. The, the one time when we finally got this visa, we were rejected and a week before the time. And we were just like, discouraged. Don't stop praying. <laughs> Don't stop praying. <laughs> but he says, yeah, listen to this in First Peter says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Why are you special? Why are you a chosen generation? Because that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you are a chosen generation. You are royalty. 
You are a priest, a holy nation. You are special to God for one purpose, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. No, no, you're not listening to me, neighbor. It's marvelous light. Say to your neighbor, say that, marvelous light. It's not a dim light. It's not a little candle. It is amazing. Okay? He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Into his marvelous light. You are not here. God is not here to serve you. Did you know that? I said it last week. This church does not exist for entertainment or primarily for your needs and my needs. This church exists for the glory of God. Amen? And God is doing something amazing. We, I don't really even know what He is doing, but people are being set free. People for the first time in 20 years since I've been here are just getting saved on their own. Nobody's even praying for them. Just in places where it's just obscure, we, we're seeing God begin to move. But the more we surrender, the more God is going to move. <laughs> The more we humble ourselves, the more God shows His power because that's where grace is found, in humility. And so tonight we're going to talk about this next part, and I spoke about it a little bit this morning, laborers in Luke chapter 10. And after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, and He sent them two by two before His face into every city and place where He Himself was about to go. So if you say you, you're saying yes to the cause of Christ, it's not just this little couple of things on a piece. It's, it's your whole life. You say, okay, I'm, I'm going to live for this one thing. I'm, I want to, I don't know if you know this uh, Attenborough, this, um, what's his name? David. Thank you. It's a biblical name. David Attenborough, you know, but they had this planet earth thing and then people took five years to video this snow leopard somewhere up in the middle of nowhere, you know, and, it, and it's just amazing. They showed how much this guy, the effort he took just to get video footage of that snow leopard. And everybody goes like, wow, wow, yeah? Because it's, it's rare. It's amazing. It's like, we, we, it's not common. It's not, you know, we're not familiar with those things. And the problem in the church is we've become familiar with God. The Bible says you've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. When we become familiar with God and with each other, I become a professional Christian. I become somebody that just like, yeah, yeah, I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. I, I lose my wow. I, I lose the, the focus of what God has called me to do, and that is to proclaim His marvelous light, proclaim His praises. And so here we see Jesus sending these 70 people, these disciples, and they were clueless. They, they really were not the, the great people that were the chosen ones. They, they were very confused, even right till the end. But he says he appointed 70 others, and he sent them. Say appointed. Thank you for your enthusiasm. He sent them two by two before his face. Into every city and place where he was about to go. Yo, it's nice to preach. This, is a, this feels like an African church. Hallelujah. You know, because we are in Africa. People always say, like, we're going up to Africa. We are in Africa. Amen. Okay. 
So say a little bit more amen, because otherwise I'm going to preach very long. But it's beautiful. It's, it's this picture of Jesus sending the 70, they're clueless, and he says to them, look here, I'm going to appoint you. If I appoint you to do something, it means I give you an authority. I give you an identity around that thing. He says, he sent them. I commission you. Do you know that you need to be commissioned? You know, the modern day thing is because we've become so familiar in the charismatic church, you know, we just float in and float out. But God sees what's happening here as very sacred because it's a family gathering together. You don't just float into a family and float out of a family. You're sent ones. That's what apostles mean. The sent ones, the commissioned ones, the ambassadors for Christ. We have been sent to this earth. You are here on a mission. If you didn't know that, that's good news tonight. You're not just by chance. Maybe your parents didn't decide to have you. Maybe you were like, I don't know, but God sent you. God has got an appointment with you, and he wants to appoint you unto certain things. But he never sent you alone. He sends, always sends you two by two, and he sends you from a place of intimacy, not to a place of intimacy. It's different if I say like, yo, Rabbi, go back to Malawi. Where do you come from in Malawi? Kasungu. Yeah, beautiful. Malawian people are just so friendly. Just look at that smile. Eh? He's laughing all over. But if I say, go to Malawi, not like this Bushiri guy, you know, go because you've been commissioned to go, you have a passport to go, go. But I look him in the eyes and I say, Ravi, I want you to go with the, with the commission. I want you to go and deliver a message to those people. Yo. Wow. In three weeks, we're going to, Go, go up there, and um, Stephen sends all of his love. He's turning 80, okay? And uh, hopefully we're going to meet with the president, which is his best friend, president of Malawi. He's a pastor, Assemblies of God pastor. What a moment, you know, when God appoints somebody. But you are appointed by God, and God sends you face to face. He says, I want you to go. I want you to go. I want you to go into that engineering place. I want you to be there. I can't be there. You know, I cannot have a snore like Michal. And I cannot speak English like him because he comes from the States. <laughs> They're free states, yeah, yeah. It's just amazing how the States people talk, you know. They talk about a mountain, but it's a hill. It's a copy, you know. I remember, I must make a joke of that because I always, you know, then we go there and they say like, let's come and see my mountain here in Bloemfontein. I look like, What? What's it? Signal hill or free hill or what? Late naval hill. That's the thing. I remember that name. But it's crazy. If God appoints you. Ben Jason, you're still all right. I see that eye. Okay. If you go play for the Stormers, then what do you do? You're appointed. I can't play. They'll, 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 they'll kill me. Why are you laughing? Oh. You know, I saw that Stephen Kitzel, he hasn't even got a neck, yeah? I think, like, if I have to scrum against that guy. But you're there, and you can make a difference in that Stormers group. Just you being there, because why? God has sent you on an assignment. And it's happening with you and Leon and some of the guys here. God is doing that when we say yes, but you have to, you have to say, I'm, I want to be a laborer. I don't want to be a church goer. I don't, I don't just want to come and be entertained. 
I don't want to just be familiar with God. I want everything that Jesus died for. And that's so beautiful when, when Jesus sends these couple of guys because he says, I'm going to send you to places where I'm going to follow up the ministry because you're not working for me. You're working with me. We're co-laborers. Every place where he himself was about to go, he says, I want you to go. I want you to prepare the I want you to, to prepare the ground for me to come. We're here to usher in the presence of God as the people of God. And then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He says the problem is not the harvest. The problem is not the world out there. The problem is there are very few laborers. There are very few people that say, yes, God, I'm, I'm going to do it your way. And I'm not talking about striving or performing or doing more tonight. Because there's a lot of people that are doing a lot of stuff to try to be ch children of God. But that's not what it's about. It's about laboring with Christ. And the most amazing thing, the adventure that he takes you on. You know, Pastor Eugene and his wife and Ben and Izel, one of the doctors here and one of the chartered accountants here, they said, look here, can I, can I say it, Eugene? You know, beginning of the year, they said, the Lord says, come and share that testimony quickly. Come of Israel with the stuff, the words in India. Let's give him a round of applause. This is such a great guy. One day when he was... Um, a manager in a big factory, I told him, one day we're going to work together. Sure. Like I see us putting me on and, the spot. And by faith, I'm going to have a snore like this. Can you see? <laughs> um, yeah, the snore, I'm actually <laughs> fasting a little bit. <laughs> My wife doesn't like the snore, but in any case. Um, so a couple of months ago, the it's actually been coming a long time that I really felt that we're going to go on a mission and um, we were not 100% sure where we were going to go and throughout this last six, seven months I, I really felt that we need to be stationed in, in India, in the south of India and I've never been to the south of India, I've been to a number of areas in the north to do missionary work there and our family were really praying about it, Talita and myself and the two boys. And then during the lockdown, when it was released a little bit, Talita and one of her friends, Izel and Elisna, went for coffee. And in this whole lockdown period, the Lord spoke to Izel and he told her that they also going to go on a mission, but they didn't know about the mission that the Lord was sending us on. And she was telling her husband, you need to guess where the Lord is sending us. And every night he would come home and he would like, hmm, this place. And just the country. And every time he would miss the country. So um, then in one of the quiet times, the Lord revealed a name to our town. And the place's name is Tiruvannantapuram. So that's... <laughs> so she got the, the whole wording phonetically and wrote it down and then she searched and then she found this place. And then when they, the three girls had coffee, then one of the, the other girl asked the letter, so where, where are you guys going? So then we zoomed into the map and as she zoomed into the map, 
this name came up. It was like the first name. And then Ezel was just like quiet because how is it possible that they also going to the same area where we're going and that same name just came up on the map. So that's just how the Lord just leads us. And you know, just there's been so many confirmations of us going there. So, yeah. But we'll testify about it at some other stage. But thank you for giving us the opportunity to share. <laughs> Thanks, Eugene. But going to, if you've been in India, they're taking all of their children. Other families have got five children. They've got two children between two and five years. Seeing the kingdom of God come. What an example. But you see, not many people will do that. Since they're starting to share their testimony, everybody comes and is like, we'll pack the chairs. We'll do anything except go to India. <laughs> you know? It's so funny. But in any case, let's focus. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you as lambs among wolves. He says, hey, lambs are innocent. Lambs are pure. Lambs are... But he says, there's wolves out there, and it's, it's not going to be easy. And he says, Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick there. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. He's sending out these 70, and he's giving them some instructions. He's commissioning them. He says, don't go alone. I want you to go in agreement, because two by two means agreement, from that place of intimacy. But then he uses a couple of things, and this is sort of the crux that I want to get to. He says, go your way. Behold, I send you. I send you with a pure heart, with faith. I send you with, but I send you in, in a difficult circumstances. And then he says, don't. Don't worry about provision. Don't worry about all that stuff because, hey, I will provide. Don't even take sandals because I'm going to provide for you. I remember us driving up once to the northern parts of Malawi into Chitipa right at the north. And one day we arrived, we're just somewhere out of nowhere there in Karonga. You'll know Karonga there in the north, northern parts. is a terrible road. It, I think it's better now. And as we're standing there, we had no food, we had no nothing, and we just, we're a group of 23. I'm the leader of the team. I'm 19 years old. The oldest person is 33 years old, and I had all the excuses, and the Lord says, you're going to be the leader, and I thought like, oh, crazy. I met my wife there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Go on missions. The Lord will provide in many ways. But I remember arriving there at this road, and we didn't have any food, so we're traveling for hours on this road. And here is this guy. Out of nowhere, he has got a whole, like, whole spread of chicken. Free-range chicken. You don't get any other chicken in Malawi, but free-range chicken. <laughs> and this guy says, the Lord told us to prepare this chicken to... Cook it properly because there's some of his people that is going to come here. And so here they're standing next to the road with 14 whole chickens waiting for us to arrive. What's the chance? 
See, see, God goes before you. But, but then he says this. He says, and greet no one along the road. Sort of giving us the key because one of the greatest distractions, distractions. If you want to be a Christian, you have to live a life of urgency and intentionality. Because he says, as you're going to go, do you know what's going to happen? You're going to say yes. You're going to say yes to Jesus because you're going to feel the conviction. And then you're going to start walking on that road. But what's going to happen is like, hey, Francois, how's it going? What's hanging out of your ears? Oh, oh, it's that uh, guitar thing of yours. How's it going being a vet here? Huh? Is it? How many dogs did you save this week? hundred, really. Wow, it's amazing. Francois is the most passionate vet in town that I know. I don't know many vets, but I know one, okay? <laughs> he prays for the dogs and the, do you do horses as well? Cats. It's amazing. But see, now I talk to Francois. I, I get distracted on what I just wanted to share. So here we go again. Hello, Lurika. How's it going at Jaich Tijdskrif? She's the Redacteur van die juich tijdskrif. How's it going? I said, well, you're praying, you're trusting the Lord for big things. Chris, how's it going with the medical stuff? And Is it? Okay. Am I too close to you? Well, okay. No, no, I'm, I'm just seeing because some of the medical people just want to go. Yeah, I hug him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's like a papa bear, you know? So, I hope it's going well with you. Hello, ladies. How are you? Sure. I'm going to have a voice like you one day in heaven. Sure, Starenberg, those heads looks cool, eh? Curly, eh? It's amazing. Woo, look at this couple, hey? Stelly's model, all that stuff, Lacka Matthew. You can play those drums like crazy. Michen, how's marriage? They married two months? Nearly three. Ah, it's amazing. Oh, sure. You thought I'm not going to pick on you, eh? You come all the way from Tigerberg. Shaul just comes to see some other guys because in Tiger Book Church, there's just ladies, seven ladies for one guy. So Charles feels, Shaul feels a bit, you know, claustrophobic. Is that the right? No, that's not the right word. Okay. Okay. But we're praying for you. We're praying for you. Okay. How does it feel to be back here in Polaris? Right. Is it? Okay. Okay. Great stuff. Luke, happy birthday, Luke. Hey. Eh? Yeah. So. I beat Luke in golf the other day and Willem, you know, but they were just humbled all the time. So what am I doing? That's exactly what happens. Yes, Jesus, here I am. And then as you go, you see 500 people receive the word to go to the upper room to wait for the Holy Spirit and only 120 made it. So Jesus from the word goes, says, don't go into striving, but don't greet people along the road. Focus, and when you go to a house, make sure you go into the right house and you learn to re release your peace there and you, you learn to do things the kingdom way. Because so many people are living in the life of intentionality land. <laughs> yes, I've got, I, I, I'm intending to follow God. I, I'm make, making all these great vows, but you get distracted. And there's an urgency that's lacking in the church in the West. An urgency that leads us not to be obedient to God. And when you're urgent and you're 
are intentional about your relationships, then you're not, you know, it, it doesn't just stay that you're thinking, you, you become a doer of the word because tomorrow morning the word becomes flesh right where you are. Because that's where you're going to live it out. So if you're playing rugby, you do it there. If you're doing worship, you're doing it there. When you're studying, you're doing it. Why? Because you're taking every opportunity to buy out the time. We spoke about that last week. Redeem the time for the days are evil. But see, we get distracted and that makes you, when you're distracted, you're not focusing on the main thing. Turn to your neighbor and say, let your main thing be your main thing. <laughs> so we, we, we study the passport. We do all the things. We smell the, the stuff in the passport. We go ballistic about the fact that we have a passport, but we realize like the passport is for a specific use. I'm a citizen of heaven. If you travel to another country, you hold on to this passport. <laughs> you, 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 you can lose a lot of things, but you don't lose this one. <laughs> you, you don't lose this one. I've been on trips where people have lost this one, and we lost them eventually. Especially India. Woo. But see, what's the purpose of you even reading the Bible if it's not to know God, to love God? And to love your neighbor. So a lot of Christians make great vows to Jesus. And they stand every Sunday and worship him. But you get distracted. You get confused. You get offended. So Jesus says, hey, don't, don't be so worried about all the stuff and the things around you. And the stuff you take with you. Because those things can all be a distraction. Don't even greet people along the road. But go, because I'm commissioning you. And I'm not talking about striving tonight because there's a lot of people that want to perform. They want to like do a lot of things and they need to think I need to pray more and fast more and all that stuff. It's not about that. But it's about living with that intention. And there's another story. Thank you for those two yawns. Hallelujah. So there's another story of virgins. You know, there were a couple of virgins. They were all waiting for the bridegroom to come back, but only certain of them had their lamps filled. Because it was getting midnight, so hey, what, do, what, you know, maybe he's not coming. I don't know. Maybe he's not, like, on his way. They were all waiting. They were all Christians. It's not non-believers. And then the bridegroom comes. Because in the Middle Eastern terms, they were always preparing, and the bride was waiting, and then... They would never tell or say when the bridegroom is going to come. So it was almost like you had to be prepared for a long time. <laughs> Maybe two days you had to wait. You don't, you don't know if that bridegroom is going to come in the middle of the night, in the middle of the day. So, so you're literally waiting. And then they blow the trumpets and then suddenly the bridegroom comes. Because he's been preparing a place, a house, a mansion and then he comes suddenly. The Bible says he will come like a thief in the night. No one will expect him to come. Everyone will have a desire for him to come, but not everyone will expect him to come. And if you don't live with the urgency and an intention about the kingdom of God and intentionality, then what's going to happen, you're going to get distracted. And so, in your name, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So they're coming back. They saw people being healed. They saw a lot of stuff happening around them. The demons were manifesting. They were like crazy stuff. And then Scripture always talks about this one thing, nevertheless. Whenever you hear the word nevertheless, pay attention. <laughs> nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. But rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Lord, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have not hidden these things from the wise, these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to babes, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, the proud fool, those who think they have arrived, those who have become familiar, wise in their own eyes, but you've revealed them to babes. Not talking about babes, 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 like girl. The girls, it's, it's like a, the infants, the pure and hot, the young, the innocent. Jesus prays and he says, Lord, you, you, you're not looking for the big wise ones, the ones that know how everything works and every little letter in the thing. And because the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But he says, Lord, you've revealed it to just simple, ordinary people that have put up their hands. They say, Lord, we, uh, we want to serve you. We want to live a life. And I said it so many times, you know, so many people come and say, like, oh, the Lord doesn't provide a job for me. I just say, like, pray differently. Say, Lord, where do you want your kingdom to come? And you know what? God is going to provide a job for you there. Checking what's happening in the American election in the country. It's literally lots of Christians are as if God is not on his throne. We're responding and reacting in fear. It is crazy. And I've told you many stories about Pakistan, but I remember this one day. Now we're driving and we're going to this outreach. And um, it's a bit works a bit different. Twenty-two bombs went off in Karachi in the capital or that that city where we were just in the week that we were there and so so now we're driving to this place we're getting there and 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 some of the pastors there what they do is they do through ngos they um they minister to the poor people and then through N christian ngos they actually give them jobs and lead them to christ slow cooker really it takes a long time in that world and um so one day we're going to this place and we're sitting in this workshop. We're six guys, and we're listening to this lady presenting on what needs to happen, you know. And as we're sitting there, now it works a bit different. There are people like with machine guns protecting the place, and so it's not like just like like a drink pineapple drinks. You're like a bit tense, you know. You're praying a lot and all that stuff. And so as we're sitting, and this lady is doing a presentation. I get an open vision like Peter got in Scripture. Remember, he got this vision of the animals coming down, and the Lord says, I eat of it because I've blessed it. And he was a Jew, and he thought, like, we can't eat. And so God gave him instruction, and then through that, the gospel went to the Gentiles. And through Peter and Philip, eventually the gospel spread because the Jews really didn't think that the gospel could go to other people. It's the same like... The evil of apartheid where people said, well, no, black people can't get saved and all of that stuff. It's actually a theory. It's called a, uh, 
a, a chosen theory that God just chooses certain people and the rest is going to hell. So, so you, you were sitting in this place and I get this vision. I get a vision of a truck with four people standing behind on the truck with machine guns, but they like, I could get the sense of evil, you know? So this lady is presenting this stuff, and now I'm, I'm getting very tense, and I'm praying, and I'm saying, Lord, I don't know what's going on here, but why did you show me that picture? So the next moment, I stand up, and I'm very rude. <laughs> stand up, and I go outside, and I go to the head of security, beautiful Christian guy, and I say, look, here, I don't know. I just have the sense that there's something happening, and we, we need to get out of this place. He looks with his eyes and says, you know, the Lord just told me you need to get out right now. So we get the guys out. Uh, literally stop the meeting run out to the back get into the cars like tinted windows and here we go you know drive around it feels like a movie we get around and there's two double lanes going this way two double lanes going this way and as we just around the corner there's like a big traffic jam both ways now we're sitting in the car and there's the traffic obviously on the other side there's a cement wall in between about this height on the other side in the other lane, as we're going this way, we're just like escaping. There is this exact bucky with those four guys on, with machine guns. They went straight to the place where we were and were looking for the foreigners to kill them. Two minutes. Two minutes. Scary story, eh? But see, that's how the Holy Spirit says, by nothing, anything will hurt you, by, by no means. So we're sitting in the car, and we're obviously praying out loud. We say just like, Lord, let the stinted windows be really black. Let it be really like, you know, like really, Lord, you know. <laughs> and the amazing thing there, you don't need any healing courses because, you know, if you feel you're going to die the next moment, you just repent, you know. You just forgive. You just open about all your sins because, you know, any moment you can go, you know. So I always tell this story about this one night, that exact night we're driving, the Al-Qaeda guy was shot right in that spot. Now we stop and the people stop, everybody's tense. And so everyone in the, in the car that I'm in with, they start to confess and say, look here, we're afraid that we're going to die. So there's two Pakistani people and two of our people and I'm sitting in front and the pastor is driving the car. So I'm thinking in my head, oh man, it's amazing. If the pastor feels all right, that's cool. The next moment, now they're confessing. The next moment, the pastor goes, I think we're going to die right now. <laughs> I just go like. <laughs> I started to sweat like you would not believe. Yeah? I can tell you so many stories of just gangsters coming. And there's one day we got stuck there in this big group of people came out and this one guy came and we're just praying in the car and this next guy 30 30 gangster guys angry mobsters came and the one guy came right to our car and just slammed his fist on the car's bonnet he said lord let them not see us see us see us let them not see us <laughs> no it was funny eh? okay i just thought about it but so lord let there be no see us okay let let, let them not see us okay and I'll never forget this guy. I'm sitting in front. This guy's staring with this anger. And the next moment, he just stands up and he turns away. And they all begin to walk in a different direction. I think like, Lord, my life is really in your hands. Do you know that? But see, if we live with intention and with the urgency, 
we realize that maybe tomorrow may be your last day. And so Jesus wants to, and you can go and read it, because there's a couple of chapters on, and we need to finish quickly. Luke 15 talks about the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. And there were two sons in that story. Go read it. The first son had a great moment. He returned. The Bible says when he came to his senses, the prodigal son, he was with the pigs, and he realized, like, I'm better, better to serve in my father's house because the door to sonship is servanthood. So it's better to serve there than to be here with the pigs. And so he returns. He goes back and his father runs to him. The father gives him a robe, a ring, shoes. He never had it the first time around. He just got money. Lots of people want breakthrough with God, but they don't want the ring. They don't want the robe and they don't want the shoes. And you can only get the ring, the robe, and the shoes once you've been in that place of complete brokenness, decided to come back to rather be a servant in God's house. And then the son is restored. Ring, identity, authority, representation, shoes, to labor, to co-labor, to be an ambassador, to represent to the world. Those people in your residence, they're waiting for you to pray for them. They're waiting for you to serve them, to love them. Sure. But there was also another son. That son was in the house. But he said, Father, why are you slaughtering this thing for him? Why are you doing this for him? And the father says, but you've been here all the time. You should have just asked me. <laughs> and the Bible never tells us what happened with the older son. I don't think the prodigal son was the one who left. I think the prodigal son was the one that stayed behind and never entered into his identity and his authority and learned that there was something greater than just to be served. Go read that story. It's beautiful. It's beautiful about God's heart to restoration. And so what does that leave us with? It leaves us with a... A choice we need to make. Because some people say like, yo, yo, no, no, I'm going to only choose Jesus when I'm old, you know. Christianity is just for old people. <laughs> Christianity is a bit boring. I first want to live my life, you know, enjoy my life. Really? Jesus said, I am life. You don't have life if you don't have Jesus. Forgiveness, it's the issues of the heart that gives you life, not the stuff outside. The world is conning us, it's lying, it's saying like everything outside, that's what gives you life. Uh-uh, you know when you can't sleep at night. When you can't breathe properly. Sure. I'm going to share one last testimony, let's stand. Testimony and then a picture. And I think that picture will apply to some of us here tonight. And I trust that the Lord is going to just shift something in our hearts, you know. So I'm flying back from, uh, where was it? I think it was, flew back from Iran. We went into um, Turkey, and then came back through France, and so, so the amazing thing was we, um, 
So I'm very tired, didn't sleep for three days because just of a lot of travel and all that stuff. And so, so I end up next to this lady, a Hindu lady, and she loves cooking. She's got a cookbook, a Hindu recipe on chili, 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 best chili ever, you know. So she's very excited. She wants to make all this conversation, and I'm just thinking, like, no chili for me. We, we were there at KFC in Mumbai, and we asked them, we were really want something that is not, no chili, no spicy. And then the lady said, like, oh, I don't think we have something. Oh, we have one thing. We have a Zinger burger, you know. And so and Zinger burger is the thing that burns the most in South Africa, for those of you who don't know. So, but that was, according to them, that didn't burn. So I don't like chilies. It's not good for my system. But in any case, so here I'm sitting next to this and this lady just wants to chat she's got a cookbook out and all that stuff and i, I just want to pretend that i'm almost fast asleep but it's a long hours 16 hours flight and um and she eventually sees, sees i'm probably a bit irritated but i'm nice with her and i just say lord i don't know I've, I've got this one opportunity with this lady but please lord i can't do it because i'm just so tired please minister to her just talk to her or or, or i don't know so so i fall asleep Yeah, and um, what happens in the meantime, she's sitting there, and she's beginning to get these thoughts. So she's sitting at the window. This was quite a big lady, so she's taking a lot of space, but hallelujah. So she's sitting at the window, and she's staring out, and this is what she told me later. She told me that as she's staring out the window, there's a face appearing in the clouds. Now we're flying over the clouds, going from the big Himalayas in the north, flying down. She says, a face appear, and the face wants to say something to her, but cannot. And then she begins to rem be reminded, because one day she was in this neighborhood in northern parts of India, and she, as a little lady, she went in, and she, she just bumped into these bunch of Christians that were worshiping. And so this song that she heard when she was like four years old, she was probably now 50, the song came to her remembrance little seed that was planted many years ago. There's nothing about Christianity, really. So then she's beginning to figure out all the thoughts, all the stuff, you know, that's been happening, seeds that have been planted. So I want to also encourage you, when you plant seeds, don't, don't be discouraged. Pray. Minister to people. Plant seeds. Sometimes years later, it's going to come up. Make a long story short, I wake up. And the Lord says to me, now, we, now, we, now we're going down. Okay, we, we're going to go in for the landing, 10 minutes to the landing. So I wake up and, and the Holy Spirit says to me, just, just tell her, Jesus has a plan for your life. He loves you. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.